I'm going to uh, kind of give you a frame framework to think about for the message. Uh, there, there, when the Jews came out of Egypt, the first thing they did, well, what God wanted them to do was build a tabernacle. So they built a tabernacle. It was relatively small. It was about 45 feet by 15 feet. And there were two, two parts to it. Uh, this is the place where you meet God. You meet God in the tabernacle. Uh, there was a courtyard around it, 75 feet wide, 150 feet long. And that was a court that was like enter into the area to enter into the area to go into the tabernacle. So that's the picture. All right. Now, there's a lot to say about it. But like I just said now, on the outside, there there's about 3 million Jewish people. This is a small area for 3 million people. If you said there'll be 3 million people and they're going to worship God, what size building would you build? Right? You have 3 million people and there's going to be worship at the center of the group. Now, how many of you live in Bel Air, Maryland? Or up there? Or you know where it is? Anybody know where Route 95 is? Okay, this is 25 miles away. Bel Air, Maryland is 25 miles away. The reason I know that is because I used to live there. From here to Bel Air, Maryland would be the area that the Jewish people would inhabit. Three million people lived in like that's a circle, making it uh, 25 miles in diameter. Okay, packed. A lot of people. Um, how big is the worship center? 45 feet by 15 feet, the worship center. Isn't that interesting? And also, on the outside, in everyday life, do I have peace? And the other word I used was love. Do I have love? Do I have peace? And And the answer is, yeah, naturally, We have, like, peace and love in different degrees, different ways it comes. Circumstances are good. We have peace. We uh, we love our children. Our children love us back. It's very, it's good. But it's not, it's not, uh, it's very fragile. Because when your most dissatisfied child doesn't love you back. When your child um, is troubled, doesn't have peace, then how does that affect your peace? Right? Not too good. I wait for it to change. I wait for it to change. I hope it changes. Oh, God, please change it. That's how it is. Well, there has to be something else for us. There has to be something that that isn't like that. There has to be a different economy. There has to be uh, some some reality where that love doesn't change, where that love is satisfying, where there is peace, 
And it doesn't depend on circumstances. When the world is collapsing around me, but I have a place to go, I can enter into his tabernacle, I can find God. Because in, this, in, the, in the center here is God. This is the Shekinah glory of God. And he is a trinity. He is three. And guess what? The love is perfect. The peace is perfect. The Father always loves the Son. The Son always loves the Father. There's the reality of God, the holiness of God, the peace of God that passes understanding, the love of God that never fails. This is the source for our new life. And this morning we want to speak about entering into that tabernacle and how it is that we enter in and we have fellowship with God, with the Shekinah glory of God in our spirit. We, we say in our, our New Testament, we are filled with the spirit, right? We have the peace of God. What kind of spirit? What's the, what's the, what's the adjective for the spirit? To describe him. Holy Spirit. This is a big word. Holy. This is Holy Spirit. And it, it's, it's a separated, a separation from, from the outside in the sense that it's God. And the outside, it's the world God made. God made this world, but it's under a curse. And we lost God. We lost his holiness. Let me finish. This is very good, isn't it? And, uh, and I'm, I, I'm happy that you can follow with me on it because um, it's very profound. Now, here's the closing comment for our, our introduction. In the pagan world in the pagan world, and we could say in our world, you have people, and then you have a concept of God, and you can say also small g, God, or gods, small god, gods. This distance between them and, and so on is like not existing. They just talk about God. They, they uh, can have an unholy lifestyle, but they just go to the gods. There isn't any uh, separation. They just go to the gods. They burn a candle or they, they offer a sacrifice. They just go to the gods. Even uh, in the ancient world, one Caesar was angry with Jupiter, who was one of the gods, and he ordered his um, army to fire the archers, to fire arrows, into the heavens at Jupiter. Because he was so angry with Jupiter that they just shot the arrows into the sky, into the heavens, in vain. I mean, but it was an expression of his anger and how unhappy he was with the God. You know, like this is also because of traveling, we go to... uh uh, it's the Far East. We see Buddhism. We see um, Hinduism. And you see how people approach the gods. 
they approached the gods with uh, um, uh, flowers and food. They are burning incense. They approach the gods. They just walk in to the temple and they make a sacrifice and so on. And you give them money maybe for the priests and all this. This is all just common. It's common. It's not what the Jews taught. That Jews' teaching was so different. And the concept is that there is a huge separation between my common life and God, the holy God, the almighty God, the living Christ, the living God who is holy. And we are very comforted by that holy God who was without sin, who became a man and walked amongst us, but we could not defile him. When a leper touched Christ, Jesus didn't get leprosy. Contrarily, the leper was healed. When you argued with Christ with an argument, you didn't get very far. He could walk away. He could rebuke you. uh, He could give you a word of wisdom, silence the crowd, and you are touching God. The reality of God, the holiness of God, the reality of God, the satisfaction that comes from God, the wisdom that comes from God. This is a great, great gift to us that we approach the living God and that the living God gave us the Holy Spirit so that our peace would not be like the world. Our love would be satisfying and fulfilling And we would be satisfied with God. And that's the amazing gift that you and I have today. We have fellowship with the living God. And he is enough for us. He satisfies us more than enough. The the word is pleruma. Maybe I just say another thing about this sketch here. The distance between the, the pagan and his gods like this whole thing was weird. You could have like like sex with a prostitute and have a connection with a god. It was a means to worship or for fertility or it was all very strange to us because uh, and by but by the way by the way, the modern world, the world we live in today they, they, they have the same mind. That God, you, you know, you can say prayers to God and, you know, why didn't he help me and talk about God in a common way. And it's like, you know, there's, not, there's no barrier. There isn't a barrier. Our sin is a barrier. There is a barrier between us and God. We are incredibly, we are incredibly defiled. We are sinful. We are arrogant. We are, we are proud. We are independent. We are, um, selfish. We are sensual. We are, you know, we just are, it's just not that. So when the Jews came out of Egypt, first thing was the tabernacle. And I'm going to teach you, God, I'm saying this. My words, God is saying, I'm going to teach you, you cannot come to me. You cannot come to me. There's no way without the blood. 
without the blood sacrifice. You cannot come to me unless you are a priest. You have to be wearing certain clothes, and you have to be a certain way, and have a certain fragrance. There's no way, because I am a holy God, and you are not. There's a separation. Now, uh, common people, I, I do think that common people don't like it. They want God to be like them. What's wrong with that? You know, we just talk, you know, it's like God understands me. Yeah, I, I, I do steal sometimes, but God understands me. I lie sometimes, but God understands me. I have my own way. I have my own God. I have my own ideas, my own philosophy. That's how people are. But when we come to Christ, he teaches us. He loves us, and he saved us. There's no way to approach God without Christ. There's no way that we could come to the Father except through Christ. There's no way unless I realize how wrong I am and admit it before a holy God and put my hand on my mouth and the Lord circumcise my heart and humble me and teach me his way. So that that's uh, something for your morning meditation today. I hope it edifies you. It really is edifying, isn't it? I mean, it will be. It will be. All right, so we will enter his courts here is where we're going to go, and there's an altar. First thing is the animal sacrifice. You bring it to the priest. He lays hands on it. You lay hands on it. You give it to the priest. The priest does his ministry in killing the animal and cutting it in pieces, putting it on the fire. This is a a fire here, a hot wood fire. And then the priest washes in a labor. He might have sprinkled blood on his clothes. He has blood on his hands. uh, And he's got to go, he's got to wash it in the labor here. And then he's going to enter into minister. This place here, where we minister, this is where we find amazing satisfaction, amazing ministries, where the workers of God, the servants of God, find refreshment, they find purpose, they find holiness. They, you wonder, how could a man, how could a man or a woman follow God and serve God for 50 years? How could they do that? You, 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 on the outside, we would have no idea how could they do that. How could a man or a woman of God be so satisfied and so uh, encouraged and so empowered? How do they find that source? How does it happen? How did it happen? How did they get that? And they got it. They got it from God. And it's a secret. It's, a, it's in the holy place. It's secret. It's not secret in the sense that it's not talked about. You shout it from the rooftop, but you can't get in there unless you go in a certain way. You know, we are brought into this through Christ. So Christ brought us all the way into the Holy of Holies by renting the veil, bringing us right into the very presence of God in the Holy of Holies, 
where we find our satisfaction and our peace. That comes from the Trinity. Our source is the Trinity. Wow, we have found Christ. We have found the, the fellowship in the Trinity. And that's where it comes from. Okay, amen. Uh, take, take a minute and talk to your neighbor for a minute about the, whatever comes to your heart about that from the Holy Spirit. And just for a minute, say something about that teaching. All right. Wow, that was so good, huh? Yes, we want to get back to that. So I just, I'm going to be here for a couple minutes and I just wanted to share a little bit about the Bible school, the Bible college coming up in a couple weeks. I think it's next week, right? 28th. This Friday is freshman orientation and then Monday is the first class. So, hey, let's turn to Second Kings. I just want to share one couple verses. Second Kings 4. And I think it relates really well to the, to the message. Um, and then we'll, we'll pray. So 2 Kings chapter 4, and then verse 30. There's a child that is dead, and the mother has come to Elisha, and she's asking him to, to somehow help verse 30 in second second kings 4 then the mother of the child said as the lord lives and as you yourself live i will not leave you so he arose and followed her and gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the face of the child but there was no sound or sign of life therefore he returned to meet him and told him the child has not awakened When Elisha came into the house, he saw the child lying dead on his bed. So he went in and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself upon him. The flesh of the child became warm. Then he got up again, walked once back and forth in the house, and went up and stretched himself upon upon him. The child sneezed seven times, and then the child opened his eyes. Right? So, Lord, just bless these couple of words. May they speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Um, So, Bible college is starting. And maybe some of you are in different places in your life. Maybe you have gone to Bible college and you're graduated. Maybe you're going this semester. Uh, maybe you're already in Bible college. Or maybe you've done a couple classes and you're not going anymore. But uh, for me, when I went to Bible college, uh, it, really, it really touched my heart where, where I was in the classroom and I, I really found that I could actually live by faith. And it's very exciting to live by faith, right? And um, Elisha gave his staff to his servant and said, go lay this on the face of the child. But that didn't work. And, and maybe we live our Christian life and maybe we're kind of dead, spiritually speaking, 
And we try to take different things. Like I could take a staff, somebody else's spiritual life, and I can try that. Or I can take Moses' staff, he raised it in the, the Red Sea split in half. Uh, I could look for like a sign or a miracle or the outward working of, of a Christian life without the power of God coming into my life and into my heart. It's like a staff. It's like somebody else's or it's our natural life. Moses had a staff in the wilderness. It was how he kept the sheep. It was his natural life, his security and his significance. It was his identity. But that doesn't work when we try to naturally satisfy our spiritual life. Um, but then the man of God comes, right? And this is what our faith is like. And I think Bible school really showed me this and Bible school really helped me in this way where I could actually connect with God personally and, and God can actually come to us and He can put His mouth on our mouth, His eyes on our eyes and His hands on our hands. And it says the flesh became warm. And when we're learning the Bible in a deeper way, it's our, our heart is warm, our heart is burning. Jeremiah said that your words were shut up in my bones and they were like burning. They were burning inside of me and they had to be let out. And uh, when we come to Bible school, we learn the Bible in a deep way. And we can really learn like this, what we're hearing this morning, is that I can actually touch the person of God. And um, I just want to encourage anybody who's thinking about Bible school or if you've tried in your faith and you're just like, you're not, you think you need something deeper and something more, Bible school can help us and teach us. And uh, it's amazing when we really find God and our flesh becomes warm. And, and 2 Corinthians 4 says that the death of Jesus is in our bodies so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. And that's an amazing thing. When God Himself comes and He lays on us and He infuses His life into the deepest part of our spirit and we're made alive and we're not sleeping anymore. We're not living in a cold Christianity, uh, but we're made alive. Our flesh is warm. We're spiritually awakened to the things of God and we can receive from Him when nobody else is in the room. And if you're in Bible college, maybe something's going to knock at the door. You're going to be alone with God and something's going to knock at the door. And it's going to want to come into that, that holy of holies where it's just you and God. But we keep the door shut to the world. We keep the door shut to the distractions because we found something so much deeper. And that's what I found in Bible college. Um, and, and it really changed my life. I didn't know what I was going to do, really. I didn't have any skills or any uh, any um, profession or occupation, but I just went to it. I just went, and God really provided for me, and He really led me, and uh, He gave me a wife. So that's a big bonus right there. I got. I found my wife there, Jillian Coel. I found my wife there, so that's amazing. I couldn't have I couldn't have married a girl like that if I went my own way. Nope, not even close. 
right? So it's really just um, trusting in God. And, and our flesh becomes warm. Our heart of stone is traded for a heart of flesh. And our spirit is awakened. And no longer is it somebody else's staff or somebody else's experience or somebody else's words, but I find God in a new way for myself. And I think Bible college helps with that. Greatly, greatly. Amen. Okay, would you uh, stand, please, and turn to Psalm 100 before we uh, read it. Would you turn to your neighbor, encourage them, love them, say, "I, I love you even if it's one directional. Yes, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Great, yes. Wow. Yes, hallelujah. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Yeah, praise God. All right, um, you may be seated. Um, We want to look at that that text for a moment, what, what Zane shared, 2 Kings. Four. I know you. I have you in Psalm 100, but I want to make a point here. He made a very good point, but it helps me with the message. What was the name of the servant of Gehazi? Okay, and who is the prophet? Elisha. Right. Which one is it? Eli. Elisha. Yeah. The boy is dead. The boy has died. Where did the boy come from? Where did that boy come from? The mother couldn't have children. And Elijah said, a year from now, you will have a son. So the son, there was an answer to prayer, was a gift to the woman. He grows up and then he dies. He says, my head, my head, remember? In the text. So then... Elijah sent Gehazi to go and heal him or raise him from the dead. And he takes the staff, but it doesn't work. So what's put under here, Gehazi, doesn't work. Doesn't work. Did we read that? 2 Kings 4, verse 31. Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff upon the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore he went again to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not awakened. Awake. He went back to Elijah and said, It didn't work. Or he is not awakened. He is still the same. So we have the natural life here, the natural thing that happens. The natural servant, he's a Gehazi. Later, he doesn't do very well. If you know the story, Second Kings 5, Gehazi. Um, anyway, that's a separate message. But Elijah, why does Elijah have the power? Why does Elijah go to him, go to the child? And what does he do? Like we read it. 
He he came into the house, verse 32, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went, therefore, shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. Now, here you have something that we're all interested in. Where did you get that power? Where did that power come from? How come you had it and Gehazi didn't have it? Where did it come from? How do you get it? Where, where, what's making your life work? What, what, how is it working for you? How does it work for you? Okay. So is my sound okay? Because it just suddenly came alive. Is it good? Now, now it's good. Is it? Is it? Is it okay. All right. So Elijah has a fellowship. With God, that means something. That there's something about him. There's something happening, something that Elijah has. And I want to say, you have it. How did you get it? Christ gave it to you. You have it. You have fellowship with God. You have it. You have, you have power with God. You have a fellowship with God. And how, how did you get that? It couldn't be... The common way that I explained in the introduction, where, you know, God's my buddy, God's my, the guy upstairs, God, you know, like I did this, I didn't step on any, any crack on the, in the sidewalk, you know, so I didn't go under a ladder, or a black cat didn't cross my, or I got a rabbit foot in my pocket. I mean, all of those ideas, or the, the, um, the, um, astrology thing, and all this stuff, that's not where you live. You have a li- the, the only wise God, the living God, who told you how you get it. He told us how we walk with him. We have learned it. Now, let me say something about Gehazi from Micah 3. My, my message, I, wanted, I don't want to be here long with you because I think... You don't need to be here a long time. I think the Spirit is speaking to you, and you're carrying something home with you. Now, give your neighbor a slap on the back and say, you're taking something home today. God bless you. You're taking something home today, in Jesus' name. Now, Micah 6, verse 3. Oh, my people... What have I done unto you? And wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. Now, this is God speaking. You've got to take this slow because it takes time to process it. It's also why I ask you to talk to your neighbor sometimes. All right, here is God, here are people, and they say, What about God? What do they say about God? You wearied me. You you have wearied me. You have wearied me. What? Really? Yeah, I follow God. It's just tiring. I have followed God. It's a burden. I have followed God. You wearied me. Yeah, I have followed God. It's just complicated my life. I have followed God, but the burden is too much. I have read my Bible, but I get depressed when I read it. You have wearied me, God. I bring my animal sacrifices to you, and it's wearisome. I got to pay for those animals. 
Um, I got to take my savings, pay for the animals. You have wearied me. I go to the church and I do not have it. I'm weary. It's a wearisome life that you have made for me. And God is saying, wherein have I wearied you? Do you know why they say it? They are wearied because of themselves. It's not God. They're wearied because of other people. Other people have wearied them. They're worried, wearied, wearied by their own consciences, by their own troubled lives, and also false doctrine, false teaching wearies people. But it's not God. It's not God. You can meet a lot of people out there. I used to go to the church. I don't go there. I don't go anymore. I'm so disappointed with the pastor. He was pastor, so Tom something. <laughs> Do you know what happened to me one time? I used to, I used to live in Finland and in Europe and with my wife. Lisa, and I was on the street evangelizing, and I handed a piece of paper to this woman, and she said, oh, yeah, I I know that church. I've been there. And I go, well, who was the pastor there? I was the pastor there, right? She goes, I don't know. I don't know who he... But his wife was Lisa. She was amazing. (laughs) And I said, well, I am, I am the pastor there. And, and she goes, oh, you look a lot smaller than the... <laughs> okay, so where... Isn't it a good question? Where God saying, am I the problem? Am I, have I tired you? Isn't it a good question? So whenever you have that happening in your heart or in your life, do and double check on it. Because it's very possible it was not God that has wearied you. You you are wearied in your own ways. Because I am God and we must enter that tabernacle where we find God. And he is a holy God. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. His wisdom is releasing. His compassions and mercies never fail. He has so much for you. He cares about you. He put your name in his book. And he's saying, wherein have I wearied you? My yoke is easy. I gave my son so you could be free. And enter into my courts with praise and my gates with thanksgiving. Doesn't that make sense? It really does. Wherein have I wearied you? Well, you made the world. And the Lord said, yeah, I made the world, but I didn't make the world for you to die. I made the world so you would live and live forever. Can the dust praise me? In the Psalms, can a dead man praise me? I didn't make you to die. I made you to live. I am not the God of the dead. I am the God of the living. 
Remember, Jesus said, remember the the, uh, Sadducees? It was one of my favorite texts. You know, they're talking about um, the woman who, who, the, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. So they come up with this idea, like, okay, this woman... Her husband dies, she, the next in line, he, she marries him and he dies and she has seven husbands. So they're standing back and they think they've got a big, big uh, argument here to show that there is no resurrection. <laughs> and they say, okay, whose husband will she be in the resurrection? Ha, 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 ha. We got him. Ha, 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 ha. It's like your argument is like... It'd be, I, I wanted to make a parallel for our day. A man has a liver plant transplant and the rapture happens. Is a liver left on the sidewalk when he goes up? You know what I'm saying? We have these ideas that we think and we can argue with God, right? So Christ answers incredibly. He said, he said, is the God, is God the God of the living or the dead? And what's his name? Who is he? He's the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Now, this is the part. This is the part. Stay with me. It says, and when Abraham died, it says his feet went up in the bed, and he died, and it says he went to be with his people. Isaac dies. It says the same thing. His feet were, he was put in the bed, and he died. He went to be with his people. And listen, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the grandson, dies, and he goes to be with his people. How amazing is that? Where did they go? They went to be with their people. Is God the God of the dead? Or is he the God of the living? Isn't that beautiful? Okay. So I'm way off my subject. But I'm enjoying myself. That's good. All right, go to Psalm 100 and we will, we will make a few points and finish here. Psalm 100. How come Elijah, um, this one, how come he didn't stop? He goes in, he sees the boy, he walks around, he lies on the boy, mouth to mouth, hands to hand. How come? What is that? What is that? Communion? Connection, what is that? That's, is that Elijah is a man of God and he's able to connect with this boy and raise him from the dead. Is that the same for us? It's a good question. When you live with God, your, your life is a different kind the life of Christ in us. And we have connection with each other. Actually, we come into the fellowship and we're alive. 
And maybe somebody isn't so alive, but they are around the people of God, and they come alive. They wake up. There's hands to hands, eyes to eyes, heart to heart. But whose hands, whose heart, whose life? It's the life that is in the Trinity. The Father gave the Son, and the Son and the Father sent the Holy Spirit into our lives so that we could be alive, that we would have a ministry. Gehazi doesn't have it. He has the rod, and he's like sent, but his heart isn't in it, maybe. He does it by a procedure, or does it by a ritual, or like in religion, we do the behaviors and the rituals, but is our heart in it? Come on. Is our heart in it? No. I've lived there. It's not there. I don't care about it. I go through the motions. I don't want to live like that. What do I need? We need to have the fellowship with God. We need God in our heart, God in our life. So this is Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. We cannot say, Lord, you have wearied me. We cannot say that. It's not God's fault if your life is miserable. Turn to your neighbor and tell him that. It's not God's fault if your life is miserable. <laughs> hey, listen. Your life is miserable because you are just a miserable person. You're a miserable person. You just complain a lot. You're depressed and angry and and everything's unfair and you just, just say like... Nobody, you know, I love and nobody loves me back. I'm looking for peace. I have it for seven minutes. And then I start worrying about losing the peace. And I've lost, I have the peace and now I'm afraid of losing. I've lost my peace. Guys, I'm afraid of what's going to happen in my life. What you need is God. And I need God. Elijah has God. And so do you. Christ came so that our lives would be different. Come on. Our lives are to be different. Come on. Hey, come on. It's got to be different. It's got to be satisfying. I mean, Jesus has to be real for me. So he isn't, let's say. He isn't for many people. By the way, this is part two of the Wednesday night message we Introduced praying through the tabernacle in the Wednesday night service, and I'm doing it now this morning with you in a, a separate, in a, a little different. Here you go. We're going to do phase one and two and three and, and here four. And we're entering into the tabernacle. It's a procedure, process. Now, I want to only say a couple of things about this. This is not, it looks mechanical. It is a model. It helps us have an orientation as we come before the holy God. 
when we come before the holy God, he is particular about it. Because he is the holy God. He doesn't want us to take ourselves into the thing. You know, I'm a miserable person, so I'm coming in, and I think you're a miserable God. I'm a miserable person, and I project on God my miserable life. And I say, you have wearied me, God. You've tired me out. That's what I think about this whole thing. No one goes, no, you can't come to me like that. No, leave your stuff at the door. Come to me a certain way. Because I gave you my son. I, I came for you. I've saved you. I crucified your flesh. I've been raised from the dead so that you could have a new life. Now come to me with singing. Come to me with rejoicing. Come to me with thanksgiving and praise. Come to me and, and, uh, and have fellowship with me and leave your stuff at the door. Now, well, it's admittedly, when we're suffering terribly, this is challenging to us. You know, that, that life is bad sometimes. So I understand that. But generally, probably every, all of you ate a little breakfast today. Okay, is it that bad? I mean, probably you slept last night in a home and a roof over your head. Probably you flipped on the switch and it actually turned on something. Your life isn't that bad. Probably, if you're here today, it's not that bad. Can you be thankful for the things of life and the nature of God? Because he's given us something we didn't have before. He has given us himself. He came here for us so that we would have this entry into his presence. Okay, uh, so we have to serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. That would be a, a great message in itself. But let's move on here. Know that the Lord, he is God. We could stop right there. Get real quiet. And go, go look at the ocean. And just say, he is God who made the ocean. It's to take my breath away. It's six miles, seven miles deep. All that water on this little planet. Why? Because of God. All the fish and the animals and the birds. Why? Because of God. The stars and the universe. Silence. That's to be silence before God and respect him. He made it. He made us. Verse 3. It says... Uh, no, verse, yeah, three. And not we ourselves, for he has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. He has made us. Like we, we really say, I made myself. I made myself. I, I got my life. I did it. I did it. I got my education. I made my decisions. I got a job. I'm pretty good at it. And we're filled with ourselves. We're filled with our pride. We're filled with our self abilities. We're filled with our aptitudes for 
uh, various kinds of, uh, of functions and skills, and we are filled with, we have made ourselves, you know, it's like, whoa. It's like the Lord is going, no, you got that backwards. You have not made, I made you. I made you. I made you. By the way, if you have a disability, God made you. Wow. God said to Moses, when Moses threw that in God's face, he did it five times, I believe, and finally God was angry with Moses and stopped talking about it. And it was, I can't speak well, and I've got another problem, and I cannot go to Pharaoh and everything. And the Lord says, stop it. Be quiet. You're going to Pharaoh. That kind of leadership is needed in our lives. I need God to be in my life. Not a sentimental, wimpy God, do anything you want to know. I need a real God, a living God, amen? That'll talk straight to me and help me live my life and have it God's way and give up your life at the door here and come with singing and praise and thanksgiving and humility and say, he has made us and not we ourselves. Verse 4, enter into his gates. That's this one here up on the screen. This is the gates, the curtains there. Enter into his gates with uh, thanksgiving. So there is a message in itself, a lot of thanksgiving. You could do better at that. I could do better at being thankful. There were the ten lepers that were healed. How many came back to thank Jesus? One. And guess who he was? Ethnically group. Who was he? Was he Jewish? He was a Samaritan. Where is the Jews? Where are they? Where is the thanksgiving? From that, I get 10% return to give thanks. And why don't you use that number for your own life? I am thankful, Lord. Yes, I'm thankful. And the Lord says, you could do it ten times more. Well, I thank you for breakfast. Yeah, but you could do it ten times more. Thanksgiving. Why do you say ten times? Because one leper returned and gave thanks out of ten. That's all. Well, you got very quiet there. I don't know what happened. Man, what happened? You get... Okay, let's finish. I'm, I'm trying to finish. I love that it's fun, though, isn't it? It's a great text. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Another word that we need to learn. There's a thanksgiving word, and you can do a lot of that. I'm talking to myself, be a lot of thanksgiving. And then praise you know, relating to God in his character and nature, be thankful unto him, bless his name, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. We'll finish. What we do is we enter this way, we come with our sacrifice, right away there is blood shed right there, right away. And that's very important in our approach to God. Not with empty hands, not our blood, but the blood of another. Now, in our life, it is the blood of Christ. Not our blood, it's the blood of Christ that gave us access to God. We come in his name. We come by faith in him 
and we bring Jesus, so to speak, with us in our lives, and we make our confession. I have a closing thought. Can you confess your sins to God? And do you confess your sins to God? And can you do it quickly? Can you do it understanding that you have sinned? Can you do it without hiding it? Can you put it on the table? Remember that proverb, put the cat on the table. Remember that? Bring it out in the open. A Finnish proverb, I guess, probably came from China. Put the cat on the table. You know, take it out from under there, put it on the table. we got to look at it and see it. Can you confess your sin before God? Not necessarily before people, but before God. That's the beginning here of entering in to the place where we have fellowship with the Trinity. Another kind of peace, another kind of love, a real fellowship that changes our lives. Amen. Amen. Lord, we believe because this fellowship is in our lives, we have power with you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. There's anything in this world needed in our society is a people that have power and love and sound minds. We need it, Lord, for this world, raising a family, leading, having a job, and having our marriage or our friends to be in a, in a group with power and love and a sound mind. What a gift. Thank you, Lord. Maybe someone here hasn't started your spiritual life. You might say, I believe in God, you know. Yes, yes, we realize that every 98% of the people in the whole world believe in God. But who is he? Do you believe in Christ? The way, the truth of life. Who is he? Trust in him today. Receive him into your heart. Say, Jesus, come into my life. In Christ's name, I pray. And then tell somebody about it and start to walk with him. Read the Bible, Gospel of John. Just start there. Learn, walk with God by faith. Repent from your sinful ways. Make your confession to God and come before him. Every day, all the time, God will fill you with the Spirit and teach you and bless you. Yes, in Jesus' name, amen.